It's Wednesday, January 23rd. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Aaron Bush, back in the house. Good to see you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because we've got we've got some big tech earnings. We've got IBM. We've got Comcast, and eBay hasn't been this interesting in years. And we'll get to eBay in a second. But let's start with Big Blue. IBM's fourth quarter profit and revenue came in higher than expected. The guidance for 2019, I think, is what is driving the stock. Shares of IBM up eight percent. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get too optimistic just looking at the guidance um, because the company itself continues to to trudge along, and like we say, pretty much every quarter, IBM's best days are way way behind it. Um, and and this particular quarter, um, it was pretty much just more of the same. Revenue fell a small amount, but revenue growth for the full year is essentially flat. Which, in any normal context, you would say that sucks. But you know, looking at <laughs> IBM and given given what they've been through over the past several years of just bleeding revenue, that is progress. Um, and it's better than it used to be, mainly because some of their growing businesses like AI, analytics, application management, they're now a larger percentage of revenue than they used to be. So the growth from those businesses is just driving larger changes in the business. But it's still not that good, um, as other core parts of the business are still in decline. And although IBM has relationships with many major enterprises out there, there's no way on its own that it can compete against companies like AWS, Azure, when it comes to the cloud. Um, and the core of IBM, in my mind, is still entirely uninspiring. Let me let me push back in this regard that sure. the obituary for IBM has been written a couple of times in the last 20 years. I mean, there were certainly, um, you know, you can go back to the late 80s, early 90s, where people were saying, from an investing standpoint, things not too different from what you're saying right now. Essentially, best days are behind it. And there were, I mean, you can just look at a chart of IBM. I mean, there were stretches of time. Where this was a good stock, this was a market-beating stock. I mean, you yeah. mid '90s to the early 2000s, um, late 2008 for you know really the next five years. Um, it, it, it was kind of surprising the way that they were performing. Um, but so I guess I guess my question is, even though they've got all this competition, particularly as you mentioned against the likes of AWS and Azure, yeah. Is there still an opportunity? Would it surprise you if the next five years this was a market-beating stock? Uh, it would surprise me if it were a market-beating stock. The core of IBM is still in a tough spot. I think the businesses that are doing well are growing to be a larger percentage of revenue. But when you have when you have these other massive businesses that are a part of IBM still in decline, that coming to beat the market and beating other companies that don't have any of that baggage, that's tough. I think, though, when you look at IBM's earnings, it's smart not to write an obituary, mainly because we can't forget that their upcoming acquisition of Red Hat um, is still in the works and will close later this year. So, IBM is about a $120 billion business now that's spending $34 billion to acquire Red Hat. That's the largest software acquisition ever. Um, and that should accelerate their efforts to become. Um, more modern in the cloud market. And I do think that that deal is interesting. Um, Red Hat's products are pretty much entirely open source, I think. And the business model there builds around support and professional services, which IBM has lots of experience in. Um, and it should help them 
accelerate their expertise in hybrid IT, really just helping companies work across multiple public clouds, private clouds, legacy infrastructure. And Red Hat has um, other um, more technical um, products like Kubernetes, which helps what's known as containerized applications, which helps developers. Um, it means they don't have to run a virtual machine for every single application that they're working with. And that's super technical, but that is a, that is a big growing field that should help modernize IBM's business. That said, it's massive. It's like it's the most obvious Hail Mary that I've seen in tech, I think. And it makes sense why IBM would do it. They need something like this. Um, but I don't know how smooth it will go. I bet some of Red Hat's people will jump ship. There's going to be culture clash. And even though IBM will probably want to do lots of cross-sells, I don't know if all of Red Hat's customers will want to buy lots of other IBM services. So I think it'll be fascinating how it goes down. Definitely not writing an obituary here, but I think that we still can find better stocks than IBM. All right, let's move on to Comcast. Uh, similar story to IBM, just in terms of the headline fourth quarter profit and revenue doing a little bit better than expected. They raised their quarterly dividend uh, shares up 4%. What's your main takeaway when you look at this business at this point in time? Because there was a, in the recent past, there was a good stretch of time where this was, for whatever, whatever customer service issues one may have with Comcast, this was a market beating stock for a good stretch of time. And the, the last 18 months, it's really kind of uh, anywhere from struggled to just sort of tread water. Yeah. So I think we need to break apart the business a little bit. So the main business, which is, TV and broadband. I mean, I think it's pretty much just business as usual as there. On the traditional TV side, they continue to lose pay TV subscribers, but the loss is shrinking. No surprise there. However, on the broadband side, this quarter they added over 350,000 customers and their total revenue there grew 10%. And so I think people need to realize that as much as you may not enjoy dealing with Comcast <laughs> itself as a customer, this business is here to stay. And when you realize that, Google Google Fiber is shut down. Uh, Project Loon isn't going anywhere. Facebook's internet drones or satellites aren't going anywhere. SpaceX isn't close to doing anything at scale. Disruption of players like Comcast is a really long ways away. And I do think some of the ups and downs that they've experienced it has less to do with this side of the business. And this side of the business will hold steady. It's the other side of the business, entertainment where there are a lot of other moving pieces, and there's been a lot of uncertainty on how that will play out. And I think this quarter was pretty pretty meaningful and moving in certain directions. This quarter, the acquisition of Sky closed, and that's massive. Um, their NBC Universal segment grew, um, and I think guiding for more growth there, which is great. Um, there are hints that they may launch their own NBC Universal streaming service, I don't know how well it's going to do. It obviously can't compete at scale with something like Netflix, but I think it's smart that it'll help them own customer relationships, probably turn to something like what CBS is doing. And then there's the whole, what are they going to do with their 30% stake in Hulu? What's going to go on there? I don't know. My guess would be they probably don't like that Disney now owns 60% of it. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, and so they'll probably look to sell, maybe to Disney, and then maybe use the proceeds to invest in their own service. That's what I would think. But I think there's still a lot of uncertainty there. But really, most of this business is still broadband, and they're doing very well in it. The the streaming service is interesting, and I think you you keyed in on on something uh, kind of crucial there, which is that 
this was almost sort of under the radar, like, oh, by the way, we're launching this streaming service in 2020. But I think, to your point, if they lowball expectations, if they go into it with an eye towards advertising partners, where they just say, look, we've got these news properties, we've got the Olympics. I mean, yeah. 2020, from an advertising standpoint, it's shaping up to be a lucrative year for this side of the business. And if they use the streaming app to essentially enhance the advertiser relationships, I think that sets them up for further growth down the road. But they got to make sure it works. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot we're seeing a lot of competition mainly in paid services. People are competing with Prime, Amazon, HBO for paid subscriptions. And I think that they're smart to lean the other way and do advertising. Um, because at some point, people are going to hit the wall of what they're willing to pay. And Comcast with NBC Universal, they have a lot of big shows and brands and sports that they actually can do something interesting there and hold their own. I think it's a question of like how much scale they can really succeed at. Um, I don't really know. We'll have to wait and see what their plans are. But I think it's smart that they're doing this and being connected to Comcast, which is in tons of people's homes around the country. Um, that gives them a great head start. eBay is going to report their fourth quarter earnings next week, but yesterday's shares of eBay were up six percent on, well, activist investors looking to make some changes. Uh, and it's not just one; it's really two. Um, it, yesterday, the catalyst was uh, Elliott Management coming out with this letter. Elliott Management owns about four percent of eBay. Coming out with this letter saying, "Hey, we'd like to see some changes, and specifically here are the changes we'd like to see." And we'll get to those in a second. Starboard Value, probably a better known name than Elliott Management. Starboard Value also has a stake. They revealed that recently. They're going to come out with their own letter at some point soon. So, pretty interesting timing. Planting this flag a week before. Ebay reports earnings and sort of putting the CEO on notice. But I'm curious what you thought specifically of the the headline changes that Elliot is agitating for is spinning off the StubHub business and the classifieds business. Yeah, I, I I'm not surprised to see this happening, and I think it could make sense to some degree. I think what eBay has done incredibly well over the past many years is they've done a good job pinpointing and buying businesses that are relevant and can scale. If you think about Buying PayPal, buying StubHub, those turned out to have some pretty fantastic returns for eBay shareholders. So that's great. The problem is that eBay's core marketplace platform isn't the best business to to really connect to all of this other stuff. It's hard to build um, a larger, encompassing business that has synergies and is all inclusive. And I think that. We saw that with PayPal. It was obvious. PayPal isn't a marketplace. Um, but we're starting to see that now StubHub is a marketplace. The classifieds business is a marketplace. Um, but is eBay really the best um, connection for those companies to exist? And I think um, for the classifieds business, I think maybe it is. It's pretty similar to what eBay does people buying and selling goods and services. I think it's mainly international. So there could be something there. Um, so that doesn't make as much sense to me. But on the StubHub side, 
Absolutely. I can totally see StubHub being a separate business and being separate, being able to unlock value, make deals that they couldn't have otherwise. And honestly, a company like StubHub could do well independently, but it wouldn't surprise me if it got spun out and then was acquired again by someone like Amazon or SiriusXM or even connects to Spotify in some way to help those companies build a more complete music experience adding live to just streaming. Well, you and I were talking before we started taping about the customer experience when you're looking to buy tickets, whether it's to a game or a concert. And you're essentially, once you've made the decision, I'm going to go to this thing, then it's all about, well, where am I going to sit? And that's, and by the time you get to the, it's time to buy the tickets, yeah. That's that's when it clicks in. Like, oh my God, how much in fees am I being charged here? And but at that point, you're like, okay, all right, I'm just going to buy this because I want to go to this thing. Yeah, it's not the friendliest for the consumer, <laughs> no. but it's a pretty great business to be invested in. It tends to generate lots of cash, which can then be either just delivered straight back to investors in dividends or share repurchases, or um, use like we see in Live Nation, which owns Ticketmaster, they continue to make lots of new deals that strengthen their ecosystem. Um, so I could totally see someone wanting StubHub for that great business and being able to use it to strengthen a music ecosystem. And that's not going to be eBay. It makes no sense why that would be eBay. Um, so I, I can totally buy why they'd want to spin out StubHub. And that would be about a $4 billion business. I think back to a few weeks ago when we were here in the studio. Uh, we were doing uh, Motley Fool Money first episode of 2019, it's sort of our preview of the year. And one of the things we talked about was uh, CEOs to watch, whether they are on the hot seat or or just set up for an interesting year. Um, none of us mentioned Devin Wenig, who's the CEO at eBay, but I think the next couple of weeks are going to be really interesting for him because he took over as CEO of eBay. Back in July of 2015, when the PayPal spinoff occurred, and you think back to then, shares of eBay were around twenty six dollars a share. Today, they're around thirty three. Yeah, and and that alone isn't enough to necessarily get a CEO fired, but I think the combination of the attention being paid. Uh, because of the activist investors coming in, being very specific about unlocking value, uh, I I really think this conference call next week is going to be interesting because, among other things, they're coming out of the holiday quarter, and I saw a lot of eBay commercials on television, and I'm personally I'm as a longtime shareholder of eBay, I'm curious to see. Uh, not just well, what did they put up in terms of revenue and profits, but what was their marketing spend? You know, what what did that look like? Because uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came out next week and it was, oh yeah, we we ended up shooting for the moon in terms of trying to bring in revenue, and because of that, we spent a ton more on advertising than we normally do. Right. I think it'll be interesting to see how open-minded he is to changes being made. If he is stubborn, that I mean. The the previous CEO, um, he was also stubborn when it came to spinning off PayPal, and that didn't exactly work out. I think what he should do is be open-minded um, and really recognize that some of these businesses could have value elsewhere. And I think his legacy could come from how great of a deal maker he is. Um, and even if you think about you spin out StubHub, maybe you spin off the classifieds, then that leaves a much smaller eBay. And then what do you do with that? Does that become acquired? Do you make other partnerships with that? Um, I think that if the snowball 
starts rolling, it'll start accelerating. And so maybe nothing happens, but if even something small happens, it could trigger other things um, afterwards. And so, yeah, those are legacy making decisions on his part. Aaron Bush, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.